I'm Denzel Mohammed. Welcome to Job Makers. Freedom and opportunity. These are the two words that most often spring up when I ask immigrants why they chose to move to the United States. And these two words can be interpreted in many ways. The freedom to think however you want, to come up with ideas, unencumbered by laws or culture or other norms, is something we take for granted, but is truly appreciated by our newest Americans. For Chet Manikantan, immigrant from India and founder of Aegis Studios, which builds crypto games, that freedom and opportunity to ideate is what drew him here. Founder for a string of companies and a partner at two venture firms, Chet is an innovation machine. But he was almost denied the opportunity to innovate and create jobs in the US by our outdated immigration system. If not for a chance encounter that led him to a fledgling initiative that offered a workaround for select foreign-born entrepreneurs, the talent Chet possesses could have benefited another country. And while we are certainly lucky to have him here, he is also keenly aware and grateful that this country gave him what he needed to succeed, as you learn in this week's JobMakers podcast. Chet Anikantan, Chet, founder and CEO of Aegis Studios, which builds crypto games. You're an immigrant from India. Welcome to the JobMakers podcast. How are you? Hey, Denzel. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me today. So you're a serial entrepreneur spanning two continents, uh, including your country of origin, India, and your adopted homeland, the United States. So without getting to the specifics, but what's sort of the common thread among all the companies that you've helped to found? What connects them all since you are doing such different things? Uh, technology at the core of it, primarily because I'm, I'm a software engineer and I found technology is something that democratizes things. It scales pretty quickly and it is, it's easily adopted by people. It simplifies things, sort of abstracts complicated human society problems into simplified solutions in the form of a user experience on a phone or a computer screen. Uh, so pretty much everything I've done has some level of technology involved. Uh, maybe different industries, different kind of uh, uh, problem sets, but at the core of it, it's always been technology and innovation, if uh, that makes sense. Now, your journey to the U.S. is unlike probably everyone I've interviewed on this podcast. Most of them came here seeking an education, um, but you came here on a business visa, right? Yeah, so it's a long story. So it really kind of I had visited the United States before when I was working at Microsoft Research back in India uh, for some of the Microsoft events and to visit their offices in the United States uh, prior to moving to the U.S. officially. Uh, what really changed was uh, one of my earliest startups back in India was Guruji. It's an educational technology platform. We were selected to be part of an accelerator that was called Unreasonable it's at Sea. They selected 10 companies from around the world to be on a board to go to about 14 countries over 100 days. We met all kinds of fantastic people, such as Archbishop, De Archbishop Desmond Tutu, uh, Megan Smith, who was the former CTO of America, uh, WordPress founder, Richard Branson almost made it, but it was a fantastic experience. The culmination of all that was at Washington DC. So we presented at the uh, United States States uh, State Department in DC. And that experience was kind of what shifted my, my thinking because I, for the most part, I decided to stay in my home country, build businesses and make an impact. But what I re recognized was that the, the sheer innovation, the sheer willingness of the community to support ideas from 
regardless of where you're coming from. Um, and the ecosystem is set up for innovation and entrepreneurship in the United States, like no other place in the, in the world. And that experience started to have an influence over my perception of what I wanted to do next. And when I went back home, I took about a, about six months to think about the potential ways I wanted to move forward with my career. Uh, one of them was to say, okay, maybe it's time for me to consider moving to the United States. It's sort of like an example that I use that, you know, you can't grow grapes in New England. It's, that doesn't really work very well. The climate has to be the right place for it to be good. You, Napa Valley is where we get some of the finest wines in like California wines. So for an entrepreneur or for a startup, you need to be in an ecosystem that is well set up for that. Uh, United States has been a uh, center for innovation, entrepreneurship for hundreds of years for a reason. Uh, and I recognized it during my trip. So I, I sold everything I had, whatever I earned back in India, uh, just told my family that I'm going to go and see what happens. So I just used my business visa to jump on a plane and landed in the US. Uh, in, in fact, I first landed in San Francisco, which is the backup startups. And that's the story. And it's very different, like you said, unorthodox compared to most people. And as a result, I mean, you you came here by yourself. You didn't come here with family. You didn't come here to start school and, and build friendships. So you started out sort of with a really blank slate. And I imagine that made it a lot more difficult for you to get a solid footing here. Uh, I read that you used uh, tools like Meetup and Eventbrite to network and establish a name for yourself. What was that experience like? I mean, networking in and of itself is a sort of uniquely American thing in, in certain regards, right? End of the day, when you start something, whether your life or startup or anything, anywhere, a job, you have to start from the scratch. So for me, coming into the U.S., I realized that the first thing I need to have is a support system of, of uh, like-minded people and uh, um, people that are willing to listen to what I have to offer. So obviously a lot of tools, technology comes back to sort of helping people like me. Uh, Google Maps, obviously to navigate. Uh, meetups and event brights where you can find free events where other people are present with some sort of a theme that you think is going to be useful to you and vice versa. So it became an easy way to get started, but I also use some of my connections or my old um, um acquaintances I'd made during my trip to the U.S. the prior 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 year uh, to sort of get some ideas of where I should go and what I should do. And people said, go to a meetup and go to these events. So that's how it started. Um, and frankly, when I first came to San Francisco, my expectations were very high. Uh, I, it, I was very quickly uh, made to realize that it's harder than I'd imagined. Having said that, there were fantastic people that I met along the way. Um, I was able to, I was staying in a hostel for, for a week, um, trying to find accommodations, uh, to figuring out what I'm going to do. And I met this, this, this German researcher at MIT Media Lab who was visiting San Francisco for his PhD interview at Stanford. And he really liked what I was looking to build. And so he invited me up to Boston saying, you can crash on my couch and you know, see if, if, if it makes sense for you to be in Boston for a week or so. So in the middle of Snowmageddon, uh, 2015 in Boston. I took a flight to Boston uh, because it was so cold and uh, snow everywhere. People kept meeting indoors and there were a lot of events that was going on. And Boston is a perfect, like uh, the, the, everything is so small that you can get anywhere to anywhere. So in that 10 days, I met everyone, including people at the MIT Media Lab, uh, various uh, entrepreneurs at the Cambridge Innovation Center. 
it really sort of changed my view of where and how I wanted to go and, uh, build my next startup. So I ended up in Boston. So I never went back to San Francisco. How fortuitous and how lucky you are that you met a fellow immigrant, but from Germany, uh, who is in Boston and, and it made it happen. And I like that reality check. You know, we a lot of people outside of the U.S. do believe that the money grows on trees and that the streets are paved with gold. Uh, they should come to Boston and see our streets. They're really, really bad. Um, so around that time that you came to the U.S., an innovative initiative was launched by several people in Boston, including someone I interviewed on this podcast last year, attorney Jeff Goldman. Describe this global entrepreneur in residence program and what was being part of what did that entail for you? I did not know about it. Uh, I I think it was like you said, uh, fortuitous for me to have met somebody who invited me up to Boston. Had I stayed back in California, I would have had to find other other means to stay there. So being in Boston um, uh, helped me make connections. I was able to speak to some investors for my my startup at the time, and. I kept hitting a wall where everybody said that I love what you're doing. I want to support it. I cannot invest in a company where I don't know if you're going to be able to remain in the country. So at a meetup, which I think was organized by this organization called forward.us or fwd.us, which is sort of an advocacy group trying to help uh, immigrants in the U.S. Uh, and, and the person there told me about the GEIR program. And so the next thing I did, I hopped on the red line and I went straight to UMass. I had no appointment, no meeting. I just showed up to the center and um, I said, hey, I'm so-and-so. I want to talk to the person concerned and I want to see if I can be qualified for this. The audacity of immigrants like you. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, you know, it was sort of, I guess, you know, what, what else What am I, what else am I going to do? I, there is an opening, right? At the end of the whole uh, knocking on 20 doors, I finally find there's a door that might open. So I wanted to take every uh, chance I could get. And that door was the GIR program, which I found out when I met the uh, the, the person there um, that it's only for immigrant students from universities in the U.S. At least that's the way it, it was framed. So I was a little disheartened because I was like, I didn't go to the school, go to school in the U.S. and maybe I'm not going to be qualified for this. Um, so what I did is I went back home. I thought about it. I wrote a long email to the, the director of the program, um, uh, Bill Bra at the time, um, and, and it sort of explained to him what I'm building and what it is that I've accomplished before coming to the U S and that I qualify for the program. And I would like him to consider my application. So I, I think I was a 32nd or 33rd person, but probably the only non-student GIR that, was accepted into the program at the time. Uh, and uh, I didn't take it lightly. Obviously, that was a great opportunity. The university provided me uh, a type of a concurrent visa program that allowed me to build my startup while con contributing to the university ecosystem. And uh, yeah, it took me a few months, but I finally was able to, you know, stay in the country and build my startup. Again, what luck. Um, and just to be clear, that program is it came into existence as a way to allow entrepreneurial foreign-born university students to remain in the country and start businesses without having to go through the typical work visa lottery system, which is, you know, it's, 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 it's not a great system. It doesn't, there aren't enough of those visas and it's tough to get those visas. As you say, you kept hitting a wall and that uncertainty of 
not knowing whether you stay or not. And I mean, I've been there. It's it's not a great feeling to right. want to build a life, but having this great uncertainty. Um, <clears throat> so you were able to start a company, one of several. Uh, perhaps describe to us one or two of your favorite companies. Well, um, my favorite company was, the first one was really Guruji, which is an educational technology company that we I co- helped co-found back in India. It was primarily focused on teachers um, and the impact that it creates is having better teachers means you have better student outcomes. And it's something that gets largely ignored in the discourse around improving quality of education. And especially in countries like India and Mexico and South and Africa and other parts where the resources are so limited that the, the teachers are usually just the most ignored uh, um, section of the uh, our, our, uh, component of the education system. So we built this platform, which is an educational technology platform, which is like a gamified platform, which are, adapts to the teaching style of the teacher. So it sort of acts as a mentor for uh, novice teachers and a, sort of an assistant for expert teachers. But it's really focused entirely on providing lesson plans and guidance for teachers to uh, be able to make sure that they are able to teach the topics to their children effectively. Uh, and one of the best outcomes, my favorite moments was when we first piloted it at a tiger reserve uh, protection area in India, where there is a national uh, um, uh, tiger reserve that is created by the government of India to protect wildlife. And one of the one of the uh, ways uh, it is accomplished is to make sure that the tribal communities remain in the wildlife because for them, they care about their biodiversity. If the sanitation, healthcare, and education is not good, they typically migrate to the big cities, but you want to you want them to stay there. But you want to provide them better schooling and better outcomes. Um, so we piloted it at a tiger reserve first, and the kids there outperformed some of the best school kids in the city. Uh, so that was my favorite moment. Um, and we finally sold the company, part of the company, to the uh, one of the Indian government uh, uh, arms to become the national teacher platform. So it's definitely been my favorite. Uh, the next favorite is the one that I'm working on right now is sort of gamifying that process of uh, same sort of taking some of those artifacts of gamification and applying it to the new age financial literacy that people are struggling with, especially when it comes to uh, introduction of new assets like digital assets like cryptocurrencies and NFTs. A lot of people don't know what they're doing. They make a lot of mistakes. They learn from the, the bad actors. So um, we're building a platform that gamifies that process and helps people become better traders and better educated financially to, to you know, take control of their own finances. So yeah, those are my two at this point. So all of this goes to show you, you've talked about the connections between the United States and other countries and the kind of brain gain that we receive through this foreign talent. So it all goes to show this outsized impact immigrants are having in US innovation. Yet without that global entrepreneur residence program, it is unlikely an innovator and entrepreneur job creator like you would have been able to stay in this country. And it is not an uncommon story of job creators from foreign countries unable to stay here because there's not a visa for them. There's not a visa for entrepreneurs. How can the United States fix this? So the GIR program, while it helped me, and I think there is a lot to be said about how good it has been for many founders, it is an imperfect solution. It is a specific to a particular state. It is specific to a particular university system. Uh, it also has a high barrier to entry for many immigrant founders. 
I think that an entrepreneurial visa could do fantastic. Um, right now, I'm in a space uh, which is highly innovative, uh, very global in nature, just because of the fact that it's a, a technology that doesn't require any kind of credentials. So I'm constantly frustrated myself, but I'm seeing that the uh, talent is currently now going out of the U.S. because the current uh, immigration uh, is very hard uh, for people, whether to find jobs or to start companies. Uh, we're seeing capital flight. We're seeing innovation flight. We're seeing, um, you know, a lot of the things that attracted to me attracted me to the United States. Uh, some of them are not entirely uh, being protected in the manner that it should be. Uh, we're seeing uh, many, many companies that are billion dollars worth currently domiciled in foreign shores, hiring people from different places. Um, and all of that, all those jobs can be created here in the US. All that capital can be brought to the United States. There's tax revenues. There is so much, um, of, uh, uh, what do you call it? If you do have investments, then you know you have office spaces, people then rent places. Like so much economic activity be, can be created out of it. And I'm very surprised that a lot of the policymakers are not able to recognize this. Uh, and I think there is a there is a great frustration amongst the technology innovators as well as founders. Uh, and frankly, a lot of people that I speak to on a regular basis are unhappy with the current sort of disposition. So an entrepreneur visa would be fantastic. Perhaps an immigration reform would be perfect. Um, but you know we can we can keep advocating, and I think the work that you do um, is definitely helping change that narrative. Ultimately, that's our hope. Um, but yes, those I, those frustrations are not restricted to any particular place. It's across the country, people from all over the world uh, who have things to offer, and yet there's nothing, nothing in place for them to, to be able to remain here. And we are shooting ourselves in the foot, especially for those students uh, who go through our university system and gain more skills and, and knowledge. Uh, we want to keep that here, right? Um, so you chose the United States and this country allowed you to uh, flourish as an immigrant entrepreneur. Apart from the fact that you did this by yourself, which I cannot emphasize enough, you didn't have a social safety net, you didn't have family hair, you didn't have you know, your friend's car to borrow to take you to this place or that. Uh, you did this all on your own. Um, how do you feel about the United States as a place that allowed you to flourish as an entrepreneur? Oh, I love it. I mean, every, every aspect of it, right? I think the, the core of which I think is current, there's a current discourse around this topic, which is kind of controversial. So I'll try to stay within the lines of what is potentially uh, uh, more tolerable or acceptable for a lot of people. But really the fact that um, there are two sort of natural rights that most of us have as humans. It's before human laws. Right? The natural law is that being able to express yourself um, is something that is very human, that is very much a... Uh, unique to the mankind, right? And, and also, of course, regardless of the species, being able to protect yourself, your, like the right to self-defense. Like those are some of the things that are natural laws. Of, unlike many other countries and, and throughout history, those things have always been somehow infringed upon by certain kind of man-made laws, which is typically saying you cannot take censorship or you cannot say certain things, you cannot do certain things, you, can, you have to conform. In, in the United States, when the Founding Fathers created the Constitution and the Bill of Rights and everything, the First Amendment or, or the freedom of speech is a right that cannot be changed by anybody, which is an absolute amazing thing, which is what creates 
opportunities for ingenuity. People can think, people can have ideas, people can present it to people. Some of them are terrible ideas. A lot of fantastic ideas come out of them. And those have resulted in, in, in the kind of economic powerhouse, the innovation powerhouse that America has been. And many countries try to emulate that by creating sort of these uh, economic free zones or certain kinds of uh, um, you know, incentives provided for entrepreneurs. But why is innovation still coming out of the United States? It's because people are able to think and people are allowed to express themselves. It's the idea that matters and ideas spread. And, and not being uh, subject to any kind of social, uh, cultural, or legal restrictions is why people come to the U.S. I don't know if that makes sense. It makes tremendous sense. We're a nation of immigrants and a nation of ideas. And I just love how you brought it all the way back to the Constitution and the Founding Fathers and what this country was built on. Uh, Chet Manikantan, thank you so much for joining us on the Jobmakers podcast. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much, Denzel. I appreciate you having me on, on this podcast. Jobmakers is a weekly podcast about immigrant entrepreneurship and contribution produced by Pioneer Institute, a think tank in Boston, and at the Immigrant Learning Center in Malden, Massachusetts, a not-for-profit that gives immigrants a voice. Thank you for joining us for this week's fascinating journey into one outstanding immigrant story. If you know another outstanding immigrant business owner we should talk to, email Denzel, that's D-E-N-Z-I-L, at jobmakerspodcast.org. I'm Denzel Mohammed. See you next Thursday at noon for another Jobmakers. Thank you.